Hi, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode in our Q1 2021 Pulse of the Payment series sponsored by Company.com. Today's guest is Nick Starai, the Chief Strategy Officer at NMI. NMI, their mission is to use their expertise to enable more payments in more ways and in more places. They provide ISOs and fintech innovators and technologists the freedom to focus on what they do best, liberating them from restricted payment solutions and giving them access to the latest payment technology now and in the future. Hi, Nick, and welcome to the show. Hey, Greg. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's just dive right in. The first question, let's talk about omni-channel commerce. I think it's such a buzzword. I think even over the years, the definition has changed. I remember years ago, it meant, you know, retail and online, and then it became, you know, retail, online, mobile. Now we have things like unattended payments, you know, advanced ordering, pickup, curbside pickup. There's so many more things now. What's your view on omni-channel commerce and where it's headed in our industry? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and and you're right. I think the term omni-channel is is quite an overloaded term. Um, you know, remember all those omni-channel use cases? Yeah, uh, me neither. I don't really remember because you know people. I remember seeing spreadsheets of like you know fifty different use cases for omni-channel, and really there was you know buy online, return in store, you know buy online and pickup store. Those were kind of the two basic ones that that you know we've all kind of come across um the lens that that i use or, or kind of we use is really this idea that card president and card not present continue to converge i think you're right initially you have you know one bucket which is card present and then another bucket which is card not present but these two just keep getting closer and closer um and you know you'll whether it's you know a phone making payments in store or a phone making payments in home or you know, using your card on your phone or your card on the store, in the store. Um, that's kind of our view is really the convergence of these two types of um, um, experiences and really more about making sure that you, you um, enable your customers to engage with them wherever they are. So, you know, this idea of engaging with your customers wherever they reside, whether it's in store, at home, you know, on the road, et cetera, that's kind of our view of you know what what omnichannel really is it's more it's, it's less about you know kind of prescriptive use cases and more about you know getting in the way finding where your customers are and making sure that you have the tools to get in front of them yeah it's it's even been interesting you know since the pandemic i think a lot of just using restaurants as a use case you know they they really went from bringing a terminal out to your car to really promoting ordering online so you could pay and not have to deal with that whole part of the experience so i think you know there's just been a lot of learning and changes in changing in that you know the last whatever 12 months of this whole pandemic yeah, absolutely. And we've seen a bit of a resurgence of even QR codes. I mean, that technology has been around for, for quite some time, but, you know, you know, for merchants that maybe didn't have contactless experiences at their stores. And I, you know, I think we know that, you know, contactless readers, especially for an SMB or a smaller merchant, they can be pretty expensive to get your point of sale upgraded with the latest, greatest terminals that accept contactless payments. Um, so this idea of, you know, being able to, to have an in-store retail payment be converted to a card not present or e-commerce style. Um, and, you know, a merchant who, who wants to stay six feet away from the patrons coming to the register, if you just generate a QR code, put it on your counter or allow the client to scan it from a few feet away to, to launch, 
a web app where they can make the payment via an online store, um, that's another kind of really interesting omni-channel use case that was not, you know, kind of considered in the last year or two, but essentially converting a retail style transaction to an online transaction. Um, you know, those are the types of things that we've seen um, and, and are actually quite excited about. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about some disruption in our industry. I, mean, I think it's been a common word for several years and you've got, you know, fintechs and other challenger banks that are really now trying to disrupt, you know, sort of your typical banks and FIs and even credit unions. You know, they're adding financial services products to their own product line, really disrupting that market. So, you know, what are you seeing banks and other FIs doing in response to that? Yeah, another uh, good question. I mean, I, I think that what I'll maybe call the traditional banks and the traditional FIs, um, these are, you know, banks that we're all uh, familiar with and have you know been familiar with for many, many years. Um, you know, they need to be tech enabled. Um, interestingly, you know, banks are, 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 are one of the areas where you would kind of maybe assume that they were innovators with technology and, and payments, but we haven't really seen that. Um, at least in, in our space, um, in, you know, kind of the transaction authorization settlement, kind of the transaction switching space, which is kind of where NMI sits, um, you know, we have seen, um, you know, uh, banks um, looking to, 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 to get some technology to help them better compete with the all-in-one players, you know, some of the disruptors that you talked about. You've got Stripe, um, Square, PayPal. These are kind of the all-in-one players that not only provide merchant services, but now they're also starting to provide banking services and, and, and loans and other services that traditionally, um, you know, a, a more traditional bank would provide. And if you re rewind just not too many years ago, um, oftentimes businesses or, or, or essentially merchants would walk to their you know, local bank and say, hey, I want to open a business bank account. And then, you know, the, the bank could offer them you know, uh, a credit card for their business. They could offer them uh, a merchant account for their business. And that kind of used to be the way that um, traditional banks would operate. They would have a bunch of, you know, different uh, locations around and merchants would come in generally starting with a bank account and then all these other services would be kind of built around the merchant account. What we're kind of seeing is um, a bit of um, the reverse in that oftentimes uh, merchants are going online to maybe figure out how to get payments acceptance set up online. Um, and really, you know, we've said internally that, um, you know, the merchant account is the new DDA. And, mm -hmm. and people are building other services, including banking services, around um, you know the merchant services, and you know all of that is 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 been you know kind of slowly moving um, to an online environment. Um, so the banks are are looking uh, and really kind of need to fight back against the all-in-one players that are taking their their service offerings to the clouds. And we're seeing um, that um, you know a lot of the these more kind of traditional banking um, services are starting to really finally. In, uh, you know, taking, um, um, you know, uh, doing some some diligence and, and bringing some technology into their environments to help them better compete with some of these all-in-one players. Yeah, interesting perspective because, you know, I, I worked at a at a bank, uh, Chase Payment Tech, and you know was was acquired by Chase, and certainly the the DDA was sort of the lead product. So right. so I think you know, I think you're right. Those times have have definitely shifted. Um, let's change gears a little, talk about public transportation. I mean, this, I did a little research and, you know, Q2 of last year in the U.S. alone, 
the ridership was down like 76%, which, you know, probably doesn't surprise anyone. But, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, maybe during that time when, when it was down, maybe the, the leadership of these organizations kind of stepped back and said, hey, you know, let's look at our payment strategy and, and figure out, you know, maybe what we can do differently or better. So can you talk about any trends that you're seeing in the transportation sector? I can, yeah. So I think you're right. Um, uh, it has been a good time for these um, transportation entities and mass transit um, uh, services to rethink their, their their payment strategies, but also to retool. Um, you know, with ridership down, um, some of the initiatives that have been on, on the on the radar on the roadmap. You know, up up upgrading their um, terminal systems, upgrading kind of the fare boxes. Um, you know, we're, we're working on quite a few uh, transportation projects here in the U.S. And, and we're seeing a lot of that. They're, they're taking this time to retool. Um, I think maybe most importantly, um, all of the card brands in the last, um, you know, couple of years have signed on to what's called this open payment initiative for, for transit. Um, and Again, in the past, the most common and really still today, the most common way of doing mass transit in, in any major or even kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of average city is you would buy like a fare card um, of some sort. So you would take like a credit card and you would exchange value from a credit card to a fare card or a metro card um, or, you know, you could pay cash. There's other ways. It was kind of like a, a reloadable closed loop. Um, transit fare card. And when you went to go access, you know, the bus, um, you would, you know, in, in a lot of cases, you would tap your fare card. And of course, you would have your balance reduced. And when you run under balance, you got to use your card to reload um, back to your closed loop system. Well, um, the majority of these um, transportation um, initiatives um, have support for NFC or near field communications, also known as contactless. Um, and with the uh, surge of contactless in the U.S. market um, specifically, um, you know, I think that it just makes sense that instead of having to go to get your city card and load value to it, that you would just use your contactless card, whether it's a Visa, MasterCard, Amex, or Discover, to tap to get on the bus or the train. So these are um, what are called open payment initiatives, which are very different than the closed loop um, kind of city card method. Um, and of course, most cities will support both closed loop and open loop um, for, for you know, certainly the foreseeable future. Um, but we're really excited about the open, open payments initiative um, because it just makes a lot of sense. It leverages the NFC tech that I think the issuers and, and the, the networks are, are really kind of excited about and, and, and growing. Um, and certainly in the UK and EU, we've seen um, lots of transportation projects, you know, where contactless is, is much more prevalent um, than in the US market. Um, that's, you know, those, those kind of open loop initiatives have, have gone very well in, uh, you know, uh, London, Nordics, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're seeing that the, the, the transit enablers here in the U.S. market and really globally have taken on, on this open payment initiative. And during, um, you know, the, the uh, pandemic, they've taken that time to retool, rethink, and work towards rolling out um, the, the technology required to support open payment, um, tap on, tap off, using actual um, real cards and, of course, digital wallets, phones, watches, etc. So we're we're pretty excited about that, and we definitely are are liking what we're seeing there. 
Yeah, and also reading a little bit about that, the, the the challenge, I think, I mean, obviously making that user experience easier and, you know, where people can pay any way they want is obviously dynamic. I think the challenge that some of them are facing is, you know, so many companies, a lot of big companies who are headquartered in major cities are allowing employees to work from home indefinitely. And those were the people who rode, you know, the yep. public transportation system. So I think there's there's gonna be a challenge there that really has nothing to do with payments, but it's just an interesting dynamic. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right about that as well. I mean, I what we have kind of been saying, you know, kind of, pre-pandemic or maybe even still mid-pandemic is, um, you know, usage of contactless and, and tapping at the register is somewhat of a, a learned behavior too. And our theory was, you know, as, you know, you, you tap to get on the bus or the train, um, you know, the, the more you get in that habit of, of tapping, you're more likely to, you know, tap at Nordstrom or tap at the retail. Now, of course, you know, we, we do think that, you know, retail, at least in the short term, will be reimagined to be a bit different than in the past. But, you know, we, we do think that, uh, you know, there will be um, um, some resurgence and, and, and whatnot in, you know, in-person activities post-pandemic. We, we have um, some, some confidence around that. Uh, but you're right, you know, what level of ridership comes back um, for, for mass transit, I think remains unseen. Um, but I think the learnings um, of really, um, the, you know, people in cities and, and, and the, the kind of learned behaviors and the habits that um, come out of that, which will maybe be better, better for the greater good of, um, the, you know, the society if our, as far as, you know, um, efficient um, use of cards, safety, convenience, all of these things that will maybe kind of diffuse from the pandemic and mass transit um, can be a big influence around that front. Okay. Yeah. So that's a kind of a good segue into the last question. Um, you know, obviously the, the pandemic has driven a lot of people to use, you know, the, the contactless payments. And, you know, are there other trends? I mean, obviously transportation is just kind of one use case. You talked a little yep. bit about retail, but are there other trends that you guys are seeing in that whole contactless space? Yes, um, absolutely. And you're right. We did just talk about transit. Um, one of the other ones that we're keeping a, a close eye on and, and doing quite a lot of work on is a technology called tap on phone. Um, and what tap on phone is, it's essentially taking an off the shelf, you know, Android phone or tablet and turning that into a payment acceptance device. Um, you know, these devices um, today pretty much are all built with NFC. Now, phones and tablets have NFC on them generally because you're able to tap those at the point of sale to payment terminals and kind of use that in lieu of a contactless card. Um, but you can also put those NFC chips in those phones and tablets into listen mode and you can listen for taps against that um, device. Um, so today, a lot of MPAs or mobile point of sale is comprised of, you know, people pairing um, you know, external card readers, either via Bluetooth or you might plug it in physically and have like an audio jack, you know, uh, model where you can swipe, insert or tap the card um, on a payment device that's paired or physically connected to your phone. Well, if we look past maybe the next, you know, couple of years um, and with the idea of not needing that external payment device and just basically downloading an app to an Android phone and um, turning it into a contactless payment acceptance device, um, knowing that the issuance of contactless cards are going to go up 
um, significantly, and they, uh, you know, it was over 100% in uh, 2020 versus 2019 as far as contactless prevalence here in the U.S. market. Um, and we've seen what's happened in, in the EU and UK. It happens pretty quick, quick once you get critical mass, and we do believe that we've hit critical mass for contactless issuance in the U.S. market. Um, and um, you know, tap-on phone is one of those technologies that for in the field, field service, you know, flea market. At, you know, these types of kind of micro merchant use cases that you've all seen with, you know, Square, um, you know, AudioJack reader on the top, um, right. just kind of eliminating the reader and turning um, a device into a, a contactless payment acceptance device. Once we have more prevalence of contactless here in the U.S. market, um, we really think that that's going to be the future. I have a, a quick caveat on Apple because I've said Android a few times. You know, uh, for those of you that track um, M&A activity in the industry, you probably will recognize that um, Apple acquired MobiWeave. This was, I think, last year. MobiWeave is a, a company that um, builds that tap-on-phone type technology. So we don't really know if Apple has um, aspirations to enable um, their ecosystem for NFC um, um, tapping similar to the Android ecosystem, or if they're just going to use it for their own um, Apple devices. When somebody comes in the store, you can use your phone to tap their phone to make a payment, um, something like that. Um, so we'll, we're tracking that closely, but at the very least, um, Android is, is certainly up uh, running and, and readily available. Um, and also, you know, we think that, you know, um, you know, unattended in contactless is, is um, we think, going to be pretty important. Again, this is all sort of um, maybe accelerated by COVID and the pandemic, but it's not uh, really a new idea. There are other markets um, that have been rolling out um, unattended payments um, for, for quite some time. You know, we've all kind of heard stories about the, the crazy unattended. You can buy anything in Japan um, from a vending machine. Um, you know, if, if you know, even though we haven't been through airports um, too much this year, um, you know, you've seen like, you know, mobile CVSs in airports where you can buy everything, you know, walk up to the machine, tap your card, you know, insert or swipe it um, to yeah. dispense it. So we think that this idea of, you know, um, unattended payments um, fits well within that contactless initiatives, uh, more of a self-service type model. Um, so we're pretty excited about um, unattended with respect to contactless, tap on phone technology with respect to contactless, and of course, um, transit. Um, those are kind of the things that that we have on our radar um, that we're pretty excited about. Okay, okay. Well, Nick, we've covered a lot of ground today so far. Are there any other topics you want to touch on before we go? I don't think so. We did cover a lot of ground and I you know, enjoy these types of discussions. I could probably talk um, forever about them. So thanks for, for having me, Greg. I really do appreciate it. No, thank you. I really, really appreciate you being here. And to all you listeners out there and viewers, I appreciate your time as well. So Nick, again, thank you so much for being on. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Take care. Take care.